You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the benefits of cone beam computed tomography in the field of endodontics. Our guest is Dr. Scott Norton, an established endodontist with a state-of-the-art endodontic practice in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Norton is a proud member of the AAE, ADA, and the Kentucky Dental Association. He is on the executive board of the Louisville Dental Society. Dr. Norton, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Phil. Yeah, no problem. So CBCT, we hear a lot about that. It's a pretty interesting topic. And as we talked offline earlier, you you speak a lot of dental study clubs and they ask you to speak on this. So we're really happy to have you on the show today to talk about cone beam computed tomography. So when did you begin using CBCT uh, in your practice? Uh, Well, it's been a journey. Uh, I bought my unit uh, in 2014, so I've been using it for uh, five years, a little over five years. Um, But at our endo meetings, probably five years previous to that, I had been looking at different units, and uh, a lot of units were uh, being shown to us that uh, were, quote, specific for endo. But in my mind, what I wanted to see, I couldn't see yet. So I, I just kept looking, you know, uh, I wanted one, but I wanted one that was gonna be beneficial for, for myself and my practice. And so, you know, each year I'd go and I'd look and, uh, you know, I was just patient. And uh, in 2014, uh, I had heard one that I was looking at was coming out one with an endo module, uh, a voxel size uh, uh, that I felt comfortable with and uh, in high definition. So uh, that year we always go, uh, my wife and I go to the Chicago Midwinter meeting uh, and I saw the machine there. Uh, and uh, and then our endo meeting, I believe the AA meeting was in uh, Washington DC that year. And so after seeing it those two times, kind of playing with it uh, at that point, I, I knew it was there where where, uh, where I wanted it and, and that's when I purchased it, so. So if you would, before you get into like how it helps you with diagnosis and treatments in endodontics, which we're really excited to hear about, tell us what a CBCT machine is and how it differs than normal traditional 2D radiography. Well, uh, of course, like you said, it stands for a comb beam computed tomography, and it's basically a 3D X-ray. You know, it can be used for different things in, in dentistry. Uh, whether it's uh, oral surgery, um, for implants, for orthodontics. Um, but uh, it is, um, you could see the tooth in three dimensions. Uh, now, not all units are the same. People need them for, for different things. But for endo, you know, we've got to see the minutia. And, uh, and that's really important. But um, I always say it's like having the answers to the test you know exactly what you're dealing with, you know, when, when you get into that tooth. Um, so it's basically uh, a CT scan uh, for dental. And, you know, we'll go into depth here a little bit uh, in a few minutes, but, you know, you can have it super high definition. It just depends what you need to see. So, but it definitely is a, is a huge game changer in, uh, in dentistry. Uh, and I can tell you from the time I bought it over five years ago to now, like the uses I thought I'd be using it for versus what I'm using it for now, it's like tenfold 
I had a small idea, but I had no idea how much it would change, you know, the way we practice and uh, uh, in the information that it gives us, you know, to make uh, our cases even come out with a better result. So in the area of diagnosis, tell us how you use the CBCT machine. Um, and then as you finish that up, we'll, we'll talk about how you use it during treatments. And then of course, how it's beneficial overall to your practice. Diagnosis wise, five years ago, when I first started using it, you know, I was going to use it for uh, surgery cases, retreatments, kind of out of the ordinary stuff. But I've evolved into using it on just about every case. Um, you can see how many canals there are. You can see cracks. You can see resorption. Uh, you can see where the canal exits. Uh, a lot of the times, the canal does not exit at the radiographic you know, apex. It, it uh, can exit laterally. You can have apical accessory canals. You can have three or four you know, POEs or, or portals of exit. Uh, so uh, you know, it's important to, to see all that stuff beforehand. Um, if you're doing a second molar and that inferior alveolar nerve is right below that second molar, you know, you want to know exactly where that is. Um, so, and, wh and what about with radiolucencies, just from the standpoint of diagnosis, and I'm a retired endodontist, so I'm obviously don't have my hands in it like you do, but, you know, there are, there are times where you take an x-ray and, you know, it's, it could be the periodontal ligament space, it could be just the normal radiolucency in the bone, but not associated with the tooth. Um, it could be a healing cyst, anything. Do you use CBCT to ensure that that radiolucency is associated with the apical area of that root? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a great question. Um, so I take all the information. I still take a digital, you know, PA, and um, I love the digital stuff. I mean, I've been, I haven't taken like a normal X-ray since 1998. So you know, I take a digital x-ray, I do a, you know, a thorough exam of the area. Of course, I talk to the patient um, and, uh, and listen to the patient. And then you know, I look at the cone beam and then I put it all together. But I can tell you there are a lot of times where you see your two-dimensional PA uh, and you don't see a whole lot. And then you get to your, your cone beam. Uh, and like I said, I'm doing it in high definition, but you'll see a lesion. Uh, I've had patients, um, in fact, a few months ago, I had a had probably a 14, 15 year old uh, female and uh, she was just having pain uh, maxillary left and she had seen the ENT several times, uh, the pediatric dentist um, and uh, she just was having this pain that they couldn't figure out, couldn't get rid of. And so I took the, the PA um, and uh, and I did test the tooth. I, I found uh, 14 was necrotic, but when I took the cone beam, you could see a lesion, uh, I mean, clear as day. So uh, if just having that, obviously you need to test the tooth to make sure that it is necrotic, but that was what was causing, you know, this uh, young person, all this pain, she's missing school. And we were able to diagnose it, you know, pretty quickly. I showed the, the patient and, and her mother. And, uh, you know, we took care of it in an hour. And uh, 
So, you know, that's, that's great when, when you're able to, to do something like that. And it's, it's rewarding for, for me, cause you know, I, I, I get her feeling better. She can go back to school. And, uh, um, so it's definitely a tool that, uh, you know, I'm so thankful to have. And, uh, I've been an endodontist since 2000. So, you know, I've practiced a long time without it. So now having it, it's like I said, uh, I, I've said it a bunch of times, but it's like the answers to the test. So um, you can't go back anyway. to yeah. You would never be able to go back to traditional uh, non-digital radiographs again. That's for sure. So that tooth that you were talking about on that young girl, fourteen, was there decay in there? Was it obvious that the tooth was necrotic, or did you not? Is it was it not visible on a on a typical two D X-ray? It was not visible at all. You know, you've got the sinus there. You know, there's a lot of other uh, anatomical uh, areas that are, you know, overlapping on there. So uh, now she did have a, a deep filling, but it wasn't too deep. Now I could see, hey, there's a really high pull for and she's young. And so, um, so I was suspicious and, you know, tested the tooth. And so, you know, obviously it didn't give me a vital response. So, but uh, uh, when I took the comb beam, uh, I mean, big lesion, you know, clear as day, whereas, like I said, you couldn't see it on the PA. And, uh, you know, what I'll do is, you know, I'll send, I take pictures with a microscope when I'm doing the procedure, but I take a bunch of snapshots of the comb beam, you know, so uh, everybody can can see that. Um, and uh, so then, then it makes sense to everybody. So, yeah, so uh, it's almost like a super uh, confidence builder to have comb beam in your office, because whatever you're suspecting, you can verify with 3D radiographs. It's just a huge confidence builder. And that, that's another reason why implants are, are booming. Dentists are, are very uh, confident about implant placement based on the fact that they can see they're not going into a nerve and there's adequate bone and it's safe to put it in. The direction of the implant, as far as that goes, is all validated by the 3D tomography. Yeah. Why, why would you not want all the information you possibly can, can get? whether it's a root canal or an implant, you want to know, you know, the anatomical variations where everything's located. Um, if I'm doing a surgery, I want to know exactly where the, the mental foramen is. And then for your alveolar nerve, you know, it's like, I want all the information. Um, I want to be able to see cracks. If there's apical resorption, I want to know. So, you know, I don't push anything out. You know, obviously you're using an apex locator, but it's just, one more piece of information that helps you get the best possible result. So you could pick up clearly internal resorption versus external resor resorption and also vertical root fractures. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I did a case yesterday um, where it was a trauma case, but it was, so it was a tooth number 11, maybe a, a female in her, you know, mid, mid fifties. And uh, there was some resorption and uh, a super, super calcified uh, tooth. And uh, she was swollen and a lot of pain. She'd actually been to the ER and um, she still hadn't gotten any relief. Uh, and not only was this uh, tooth, there was a history of like a, a, an MVA, an auto accident, but also she had had it, uh, uh, it was an impacted canine. And so when she was younger, it was, um, you know, orthodontically treated. So, um, so it was discolored. Uh, it was necrotic. 
there was um, severe resorption in several areas and uh, completely calcified. So, you know, I had the, the comb beam. Uh, she came in with her husband. Uh, I showed them everything. I kind of told them, hey, we're going to get this resorption out and uh, hopefully I can get into this canal. You know, you may need surgery. There is also apical resorption. Uh, so I was able to get in there. I mean, it was, uh, I took it at a, a 75 voxel and the, the field of view was was very small for endo, which is what we need. Um, and uh, so I was able to remove the resorption, do the root canal, drain, uh, you know, the area. And uh, then I repaired the area with MTA and, um, you know, we'll follow it up. It might very well heal on on its own. You know, may need apical surgery, but uh, to get into that canal um, without having all that information, you know, most importantly the comb beam, uh, I could see exactly where the lesion was. Uh, I could see, uh, you know, there was some uh, resorption towards the uh, the cervical and the lingual. So I knew what I was dealing with before I got into the tooth. Yeah. So this so, is so you're talking about external resorption. Well, actually, yeah, it was it was external resorption, but um, there there was a lot of internal. It was kind of a combination of both. Okay, really? Because um, we always so I, we, in, in endo in the endo program that I was in, our uh, the chairman of the department, um, the head honcho, the head honcho, yeah, man, he he was he always right. He he basically was pretty firm that if there's internal resorption, not to get off track here, because I know we're talking about CBCT, but internal resorption. For it to be active, the tooth needs to be vital. Just so you know, just so the audience knows that, uh, is, is that theory still hold? Uh, it makes sense to me because you need vital cells to actively resorb dentin from inside out versus external resorption, where that then it could be a non-vital situation because that's inflammatory from the outside in. Right. So uh, this was kind of this was kind of a rare case. Um, it was definitely non-vital, uh, like I said, several bad traumas. I mean, the, the MVA was, was uh, I mean, she, I think she was thrown out of the car, it's pretty serious. Uh, and then of course, the, the trauma from the mm -hmm. uh, surgical exposure pulling it out. So uh, it actually started out as internal resorption uh, inside the tooth. I wish I had the x-ray for you. Um, and then kind of moved externally. So yeah, it started that's internal. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly correct, um, and I agree. The internal absorption, it started that way because the tooth was at that time vital, so it was alive. And then the internal absorption did its thing, then the tooth became necrotic, so the internal absorption stopped because the cells died, and then external absorption took over, which is, uh, yeah. that's exactly the normal process. I wish uh, I wish you could see the image because uh, uh, I had a study meeting last night and I, before I left the office, I put the comb beam, I put the x-rays, I had taken pictures of, of this lady because she was really swollen. Uh, like I said, she had been to the ER and uh, she was just, she'd been to her dentist and she was just so desperate to get this taken care of. So, um, so we got an amazing result. I was so happy and I was so happy we were able to get some, some drainage, remove all the uh, internal resorption, that little area of external resorption and, you know, she really had no idea um, it had just blown up on her, but it had been active, uh, like you said, for, for years. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I'd like to have x-rays or if there were comb beams taken in the past 
to kind of see the history of that tooth to see, you know, how quickly that happened. But I, I'm guessing this is over many years. Yeah. So how does CBCT help you with the, like taking lens films? In the old days, you drop the file down. Um, you know, usually you take it up to, if you can, to a 15 or a 20 traditional file, uh, hand file, and then you, with a rubber stop, you take an x-ray. Those were the old days. How, how do you guys do it now as endodontists, um, especially having the, the CBCT handy in your office? I do love technology. Uh, in the late 90s, I, I did my research on, on apex locators. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of apex locators and, you know, uh, the newer generation. So, um, so I take it all into consideration. You know, I've got uh, my digital, you know, image and I've got uh, my epic apex locator, but I've also reviewed the comb beam beforehand. I'll always show it to the patient so they have a great understanding, you know, of of what's going on and plus the, the benefit of, of the comb beam to the outcome of, uh, you know, their their tooth and, and, the, and the better prognosis that it will have, uh, you know, potentially because of that. So, um, so I use it all and so, I will measure. Yeah, so you, you use the apex locator. So that's putting a file down the canal and connecting the apex locator to it, right? Right. But by the time I've done that, I usually have seen on the comb beam where the canals exit. So uh, so I know exactly, you know, does it does it exit at the uh, radiographic apex? Does it exit three millimeters coronal to the to the end of the apex? Uh, are there multiple portals of exit? You know, I can see all that. So I have a, a really good idea of what I'm dealing with. Uh, so then I'll use the apex locator um, and I will uh, I always take a check x-ray um, with uh, with the digital sensor because it's so easy. Um, okay, so you, you, to, just to verify, you put a file down the canal and then take a digital x-ray, a 2D one, just to and then you look at the file inside the canal with a, with a, yes. with, with a rubber stop, just like you, we did in the old days. Uh, yes. Oh, I will. really? So. Could you use CBCT without an instrument using the actual image to and measure the length of the canal? Yes. Yes, I could measure using that. I can measure using the the uh digital uh PA. Uh if I if I'm going to use one, I'm going to use the comb beam uh just because I've got uh you know the the three axes to um you know the three views in in, in three dimension uh, to be able to measure and get a really accurate measurement there. So, um, but you know, if you if honestly, if you give me one one tool, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to go with the apex locator, mm -hmm. um, just because it's gonna it's gonna get you there every time. And I don't I don't even look at the screen on it. I I do that. Uh, uh, I do it you know, auditory through the sound of the, the apex locator, but uh, and I can get that. They're that reliable at this point. I mean, they're, they're dead on reliable, right? Yeah. And then I know, you know, there are variations. There are certain times when you have to use it in, in a different way, but I can get, usually get it pretty re reproducible. Uh, so, uh, but if you have all these things, I use them all. Um, and, you know, I know that there are friends of mine that will not even take a check film with the file in there. 
I just like doing it. I like to see, you know, the curvature. Um, like I said, the more information I have, uh, and, you know, the better result that I can get. And yeah, so I'm going to use it all. I agree. Are those um, gadgets still sensitive to fluid in the canal, uh, whether it's sodium hypochlorite or a little blood or whatever irrigant? Are they sensitive to those intracanal fluids where they affect the accuracy of the length or have they passed that stage? Uh, so they are much, much, much better. Generally, the way that I'll do it, obviously, if you touch metal, you know, it's going to give you a beep like you're out the apex. If there's a perforation, uh, you know, you're going to get that. But um, what I'll do, and this is a really... Uh, really great trick for, for, uh, you know, for your listeners, I'll use like an RC prep or I'll use, um, you know, uh, a chelating agent on the file. Uh, and you know, I'll do this initially, I might open it up coronally, but that helps getting a more accurate reading. So I'll do that first before I get hypochlorite in there, um, to get my initial lengths and then I'll take a check picture. But I don't just put the apex locator away then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll check it a few times to make sure we're on. I'll take the, the x-ray. Um, but I'll check a few times throughout because it's so easy. You know, it's right there. It, it, it usually is spot on, stays the same. I mean, they've gotten really, really consistent and, and accurate. But uh, I think the important thing with, with those is, uh, uh, you know, to, to use it initially before you get hypochlorite in there, even though it does work with hypochlorite, I just, I want to get the mo most accurate reading uh, with the least amount of variables. So, um, and then if you put, uh, like I said, the, the chelating agent uh, on the file, that helps out, you know, a lot too. So, um, but yes, I'm, I'm kind of using that, you know, throughout the procedure to, to check it just to make sure that, uh, you know, I guess as, as an endodontist, if we're, we're not a little OCD, then, uh, you know, we're probably not in the right field. So, by the way, our sponsors for this podcast is Densply MyFair, who makes uh, spectacular files. Um, I'm hoping you use their files, Scott. I've, I've used it long before, you know, I've known, uh, you know, the people at MyFair, but it was always the best. Like, I could, it feels like butter in my hand. So, like any other hand file that I use, I can. I could tell a difference. And so uh, I've been lucky enough to go to the MyFair plant and they are so proud about making everything so perfect. And, and I think that comes from, you know, these guys being right next to, you know, the, the makers of the Swiss uh, watches that are so perfect and pristine. And so, uh, you know, I saw that same thing with the files, but, uh, you know, I've been given, uh, you know, hand files and say, hey, these were made in, in the same place or, you know, these are like the MyFair ones. And, uh, um, you know, I might be old school because I still, I mean, I use rotary, but uh, having a hand file is is uh, so important. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was just going to mention that the combination of hand files and rotary are, you know, an absolute necessity towards proper endodontic treatment. I, I don't see how you can not use a hand file, even though rotary is fantastic not to be able to get that tactile sense in the beginning of the procedure to know exactly your path, your glide path and looking for canals. What I used to do years ago was actually take a number 10 file, hand file, and cut the tip off 
to some people yes. it sounds crazy, but it would make it a, no. a super cutting edge. And then that little tip, just I'm talking about the tiniest bit. Yes. Uh, you, is that something you still do? And the reason why, just so our listeners know, the reason why we cut the tip off of a number 10, if you found the canal, but you just can't get in there because you keep bending, uh, you know, when you throw away three files in a row because it's, it's folding on you at the tip, all you got to do is cut the tip of a 10 and put some RC prep on it and just slowly rotate it back and forth and it'll feed its it'll actually feed its way into the calcified area just at the coronal part of that canal the orifice and then it will start to get down there fairly easily is that you still do that uh so i i get so excited when you say that because it's like you know i've done that uh for years or i'll put a little a little bend to get into something but now they have uh uh files made for that uh c plus uh files you know for for calcified canals so we actually don't have to oh, okay. uh, cut. They have files made for that. But for years, that's exactly the way I did it. And um, uh, so that, they actually make a file uh, uh, for that now, which I, I want to put one in your hands right now. <laughs> it's, that, it's that same feeling. You, and that's, that's uh, Densply MyFair makes that you're talking about? They do, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. But yeah, for years, I mean, you know, uh, well, it's guys like it's that. guys like me and you that were complaining to the manufacturers, going, "Hey, right? Do I need to take out a pair of scissors and cut this thing? Could you just put it in a package of five and send it to me?" But I think uh, one necessity. thing that's, that you said that's that's really important is when you're getting into that tooth, um, you know, if you want to open up a little bit coronally, but you want to get down there with, like you said, an eight or a ten, uh, so you can get a length. You don't want to start altering. Uh, the canal until you have a length because you want to you want to follow the natural canal. Uh, I mean, our goal is to save as much dentin, but but clean up you know what needs to be cleaned out uh, without altering you know too much tooth structure. So and there's really no other way to do that than to get in there with that hand file. Of course, you've got the the 3D X-ray and you've got the um, the PA, but uh, you got to go in with that initial hand file so you can get your length and and have the natural uh canal still still intact so right, right. um so i'm glad you mentioned that yeah no thank you it's it's very nice to hear how you practice scott because you know often when an endodontist or any specialist in any field gets very confident with their treatment they cut they cut out certain uh things that they do on a regular basis and you're still using multiple tools to verify um, your length and your diagnosis and just your ongoing treatment. And it's it's good because after a while, sometimes you feel like, yeah, I've done, you know, how many of these molar root canals? It's nice to hear that you use these multiple tools to validate each other, which is certainly going to give you a more predictable clinical success. So um, as we're getting to the end of this podcast, I have a couple, one more question, which is, or a multi-part question, how do you explain the process of using CBCT to your patients and how do you show these results afterwards after you use the CBCT technology? How do you show it to the to the patients and explain to them the benefit? I, I do spend a lot of time uh, beforehand, uh, you know, showing uh, the patient the actual combi because, you know, we're talking about it initially and, and they're excited about that. But then when they can actually see it, um, you can explain it to them until they're blue in the face. But if you're actually showing them, you know, it's a old adage, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, but it is. 
uh, and I can explain it to them, you know, in such a way that, you know, it makes sense. So, um, so I usually show it to them uh, at the beginning and at the end. Now there's some people that just don't want to see it and, and that's fine. They love that you have the information uh, to get the best possible results. If I'm doing a consultation, uh, I have a, uh, a bigger screen uh, in the back next to the comb beam so I can really blow it up and show the patient and say, hey, if we're doing a retreatment, uh, here's a little uh, MB2 canal um, that uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get into. Uh, here's a little apical, apical accessory canal. Um, or you know, if I see a crack and the tooth can't be saved, um, you know, I'm going to say, hey, you know, here's the crack or whatever it is that we need to do, whether it's surgery or whatever, I can show them, I can show them where the, the lesion is and uh, it just makes sense to them. Uh, and you can see it in their eyes. Most people are always going to say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. They just don't want to make it look like they don't understand. But you can tell when you're showing somebody and they're looking at the comb beam, hey, okay, I understand. I get this. Um, so. And I tell them that during the procedure, I'm going to constantly looking back at that. Um, you know, if, if it's a, you know, a calcified case, or there was a, a case I did the other day that had just the most crazy anatomy uh, that I've ever seen. And uh, I've been a dentist since 1996. And it was a case that took three times as long as, as, as a normal case, just because of you know, the complication of the anatomy, but I could keep going back to it and looking at it and I could see um, exactly where I needed to be. And there are times where if it's so calcified and you feel like you're on top of it, you get a PA, but you want to know where you are, you know, buckle you just go take another combi with the file in there. And uh, you can see exactly where you are and, and where you need to be. So, yeah, I can't, so, yeah, I can't so, imagine having that kind of uh, equipment chairside. You know, I never had that. In fact, our office phased out just when the microscope was getting popular. Do you think many endodontists have CBCT in their office now? Yes, um, definitely. Uh, I, I think I was, I think I was a relatively early adapter. Um, but like I said, I, I got it when I felt like it was there for for endodontics. But yeah, I would say. Generally, the majority of endodontists have it in their office, and they're they're using it in uh, varying capabilities. You know, some people are just using it for certain things. But uh, I was just at our AAE meeting in Montreal, and uh, a lot of lecturers are are using every case like me because why would you not want that information? Yeah. It's almost like you said earlier. Uh, why would you want to be, you know, partially blind? Mm -hmm. uh, you know. You want to know everything that's in there. That's what I would want if it was my tooth. Um, and uh, so it's definitely uh, a game changer. And, uh, you know, cases are probably taken a little bit longer because you know everything that's there. Uh, canals will communicate. You might have three mesiobuccal canals on an upper molar. Um, so, uh, and also it helps you uh, as far as the access, you know, I can keep my, again, I want to save as much tooth structure as possible. So if I know uh, the mesial buccal pull porn is a little bit higher, and that's the easiest place I can get into first, that's where I'm going to start making my access. 
anyway, yeah, I get very excited about this, and, and I could talk about this for three hours. Yeah, no, uh, no, it's it's fantastic stuff. We'll have you on again and talk more about it. But you know, you use the term game changer. You know, it used to be when they came out with rotary instrumentation that was a game changer <clears throat> versus only hand instrumentation. Then they came out with a microscope that was a game changer. Uh, well, actually, they came out with the apex locator, which right. was around a long time, but they came out with improved apex locator. That was a game changer. Then the microscope. And then you have CBCT. It must be fun being an endodontist these days. You make a good living and you got lots of toys to play with. I know. It's great. I mean, <laughs> uh, I love it. And I started, you know, at the right time. Um, I, I really got into to apex locators in my, in my GPR. So I was using them then. And I was lucky enough to do the research on it. And then uh, I started off in, in 98, my residency, using a microscope, which I was like, this is unbelievable. And, uh, and then the digital x-rays, uh, and then to, to, to get this comb beam, uh, I can't wait for, for what's next. Yeah, there um, you go. So. Well, that's, that's the whole fun of practicing. And, you know, for all listeners out there, if you're referring to an endodontist, if you're not one, and I'm sure that it's, it's more likely you're not an endodontist because there's a lot more GPs out there. Uh, make sure your endodontist you're referring to uh, has one of these machines in their office, CBCT, because that's going to give you a reliable and predictable outcome based on what Scott's saying and what seems to be quite obvious. Well, Dr. Scott Norton, we appreciate your time today. We look forward to having you on future podcasts. Well, Phil, thank you so much for having me here and, and, uh, and had a great time. 